0: Three, two, one. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Steph Curdy Show. Today I have a special guest to me, former roommate, current friend. <laughs> <laughs> Supposed to be like former friend. <laughs> former friend. Uh, Nate Ryder. Nate, thanks for getting all the way over here across the city.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: This is nine a.m. Sam and I would know you. To be somebody that sleeps until 1 p.m. Uh, is anything has? I mean, is that true? And has I anything think, changed over time?
1: I think that's a little bit hyperbolic. I certainly have been known to sleep till 1 p.m. on occasion. Um, I I definitely wake up later than most people, and probably stay up later than most people at night. Um, I don't have a good consistent sleep schedule so i think that's probably where that comes from but no i'm like a like a 9 or 10 a.m guy i woke up a little bit early to to come talk to you but
0: you know good stuff i appreciate it also make sure you bring that microphone closer to your face oh let's get it close all right uh you do a lot of so before we set the scene and where we go in for this podcast i just want to talk about like that routine you do a lot of working out and you do a lot of activity. Doesn't that exhaust you by the end of the day? Or are you um, just like mentally Oh yes? Yeah. Indefatigable. So I
1: have, indefatigable. Um, I have there's a huge disconnect for me for whatever reason between like being physically and mentally tired and then actually falling asleep. So like it's just I don't know, something about how my brain works. I'll be like, I'm exhausted. I'm tired of thinking tired of moving around but as soon as i go to like get into bed i just start like random flight of ideas thoughts going through my head so it's just like it doesn't translate
0: it's been (laughs) it's been a curse for me as well i think one day i'll figure it out i think so
1: yeah i i will admit that i don't try that hard like i have a schedule that's not (laughs) ideal and like I know that there are steps I could take to probably make it better, but it's also just what I'm used to.
0: And, of course, uh, a roommate that we shared, Andreas, he's on the literal opposite end of the spectrum in terms of sleeping. This (laughs) man, I've roomed with him for years, and his ability to fall asleep um, is almost unmatched. He can sleep anywhere quickly, and he just says... in. In typical Dre form, he's just like, I just go to sleep. Term and he of offers, off. he offers no <laughs> insight like, and then he'll, and then he'll make fun of you for not being able to fall asleep.
1: Yeah. I'm definitely <laughs> jealous of that. <laughs> um, but
0: yeah, I think also people who are, and
1: sleeping is a weird example, but I think people who are naturally good at a given thing, um, are not necessarily the most insightful about what makes them good at that.
0: Mm. I like that we're gonna dig into that a little bit later so anyway uh we're guys just to set the um setting here Nate was a roommate of mine we lived together at 1809 Spruce with Sam Fellbaum, other friend um that you know from growing up and that I know from college uh, I took Andres's place as roommate there um we spent some good time together and I just want to we're gonna we shared some events together. One of them was the election of Donald Trump. I think you and Ooh. I stayed up until 2 a.m. watching it. And I want to talk about that and just like a little bit around that topic. Oh, God. All right. Not to get into politics, but I want to I go there and like the feeling then versus feeling now. Um, we always talk about podcasts. I think you always have interesting things to say. Sometimes you take to social media to say some things that are interesting and provoking of people and topics, which is appreciated because I don't think many people put out well thought out ideas, even if they're just thoughts from the top of your head. And um, I want to set up some stuff so that when you come back for a second episode that like where the audience is more um, ready, has more context for us to dive into some controversial things. Sounds good. All right, cool. So, in your words, you know, like, well, how do we know each other? How long have we known each other? Keep it brief. Then I'm going to ask you what you're up to now, and I ask you why you're doing those things.
1: Okay, so we know each other through Sam Feldbaum, um, shout like out, you said, childhood friend of mine. Hey, Felby, if you're listening, we
0: miss you. I don't even know if he listens. Probably
1: not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's a busy guy. But yeah, I met you through like, you were one of his good friends from college. Um, you were kind of, you would hang around, you would come over and um, when we had parties and we were hanging out, you would come over and watch soccer games at like eight in the morning on Saturday <laughs> when I was trying to be hung over and sleep. And I just hear you guys like screaming at the top <laughs> of your lungs. Um, and then you moved into our Lazy Susan room. Which was we had a three bedroom apartment. Felby and I lived together for five years, and we had just kind of like a rotating roommate thing where I think we had four different roommates over the five years. Um, you're definitely in the top three though. Um, you were there for what two years? I was there for a year. For a year, yeah. okay. It seemed like longer. That's how
0: I've been. Yeah, I've been coming it. around. I've been. Uh, I've been one of those. Rats around the house but yes, we've probably known each of other, of which we had several we did
1: rats. have rats, cockroaches as well we didn't um, have
0: rats we had mice,
1: yeah, sure, okay. okay, um yeah, but we've known each other six or seven years, I guess
0: dope, and um what are you, what kind of things are you spending your time on? I've seen that you're doing some gymnastic acro yoga type stuff you're still power lifting it seems and CrossFitting. you're doing a lot of mentoring tutoring which you've been doing for a long time what else <laughs> oh, and and if I mean those those are things you spend most of your time on just talk about a little bit about those and why you do them yeah I mean those are probably the
1: big things um yeah, I work with, with high school age kids, um, both as a private tutor and like college admissions counseling, as well as uh, being the director of academics for a local nonprofit called Focused Athletics, um, where we basically work with um, at-risk inner city high school athletes, helping them leverage, leverage their athletic talents to get into college, get college scholarships. Um, so I run the, the tutoring side of that. Um, so SAT, ACT tutoring, um, as well as mentoring, homework, help, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I work with two very different populations in like doing that privately and doing it for a nonprofit. Um, both of which are rewarding and frustrating in, in their own ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely into giving back, trying to, you know, help some of the people around you who, who are not as fortunate or, or don't have the, the same luck that you've had. Um, yeah. And then there's the kind of physical side of stuff. I I still coach at a CrossFit gym one day a week. Um, I've been doing CrossFit for seven years or so. And then I dabble in lots of other strength sports on the, the periphery of CrossFit. Um, I was competing in powerlifting for a little while, decided that I was 30 and my body was not feeling it and I was kind of bored with it. So yeah, the most recent thing I've gotten into is yoga, which is kind of partner acrobatics type stuff.
0: Yeah. So I see you, I see you on your Instagram putting some people up in the air, like handstands on top of you standing up.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and I can't imagine the strength that it takes to be there. Um, so like you, you must need a certain level of flexibility too to be able to like, withstand yeah um
1: so that's there are things that like from my past athletic background I'm good at which are like the strength part and I have a decent understanding of like handstands and but like there are other things flexibility and balance and stuff like that that I'm definitely still working on a lot um but it's been it's been a lot of fun I kind of needed a new movement-based obsession so I've kind of dived in, kind of drinking from the fire hose, just doing as as much as I can um, and learning from a lot of people who are much more experienced than I am. Um, I've only been doing it for a few months, but it's, it's a ton of fun so far.
0: Socially you're, so you like partners that you do it with. I mean, what's that like? Cause they're, you're, somebody's dependent upon you to keep them from cracking their head open.
1: Yeah. I mean, Generally, right. we try and do it in, in soft places and with spotters, depending on how difficult it is. But yeah, there's definitely an element of um, of trust and, and relying on another person. Um, and there are a lot of things that you can't do unless you kind of like if you're still trying to protect yourself, you're just not going to be able to like get into a given position. Um, so you have to rely on you know the person you're doing it with and the people around you to kind of keep you safe. Um, which is, I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting setting in which to, you know, meet people for the first time and, and get to know people. Um,
0: yeah, cause as they're like sitting on your hands and yeah, feet.
1: I mean, literally it's like, I'll be like laying on the floor and some, like a new person will come in from the class and be hey, like, Oh, nice hey, to I'm, meet you. hey, I'm so-and-so. And then it's like, all right. Yeah. Good to meet you. Like, do you want to do this <laughs> handstand like on my arms? Um, so yeah, it's definitely an interesting dynamic.
0: Um, it looks like fun. Where do you do that?
1: Uh, PPK, um, Pinnacle Parkour Academy, which is over in East Falls. Um, as of late, at least they just introduced like Tuesday and Thursday classes. So I bit the bullet, paid for a gym membership for the first time in like five years. Cause I've always had free CrossFit gym memberships and yeah, I've been trying to go there two or three times a week. Do, do
0: you scoot over there?
1: I do not scoot. I have um, I have an automobile that I drive. Why doesn't Philly have scooters like other cities? Um, I think I think cities that weren't like the initial cities they launched in are somewhat cautious about it just because like, I mean, I love, I have an electric scooter that I bought recently because I was in Austin and I was doing like Lime and Bird using those rental scooters. And I was just like, this is so much fun. Um, but and the convenient. streets... And convenient. And convenient. But the streets are absolutely littered with with these scooters. Like they're just everywhere. People leave them all over the place. Um, they mess with both pedestrian and um, car traffic. So I think I think a it's just like cities are kind of being more circumspect about it now. Um, and I think there was a proposal to bring some of those companies in, and like the city council shut it down in Philly. Um, and that was the point at which I was like, I'm just gonna buy one of these. Mm. Um, and I've been scooting a lot. Still ride my bike, still use my car sometimes, but but that scoot life is, is real. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> it changes the dynamic of how you move around a city, um, for sure. So when you don't have to worry about parking, when you don't have to rely on timing of public transportation, or the I have a moped, it completely makes sense. So we'll see how much I use it in the winter. And for you, I, I guess the same is true, but... Uh,
1: that's the big thing. There's like a, a temperature at which it just becomes miserable to be on, on a bike or a moped or a scooter. Yeah. Um, so get as much use out of it as I can. But Some
0: would call that cuffing season. Are we coming into cuffing season? Um. Well, I know that's not what you call it, but cuffing season is... Uh, wait, yeah. Oh, cuffing season is when... Is when you like <laughs> settle down and I'm.
1: Mean, it's a depressing idea. It's like, oh, it's going to be cold and miserable, so I'm going to... Get a significant other just so I have someone to like huddle with and cuddle with and whatever through the coldness. That's depressing. Um, you s-
0: oh, uh, how how uh,
1: oh com- so unprofessional, Stephen. <laughs> this guy always calls. Me, stop <laughs> calling me. Um, I think that the idea of getting into a relationship for any reason other than like I'm really enthusiastic about this person and I want to spend more time th- with them is. Is a little bit depressing, or at least ill-advised, whether that be weather-related or, um, oh, you know, thirty, and I, I feel like I want to have kids by the time I'm thirty-five, so I need to meet someone the next year, and then you know we'll live together for a year and get married, and then I'll have kids. like, any reason that's not like I just really want to be with this person because they're awesome is like that's not a good reason to be doing it.
0: Dog, we're about to be thirty-one.
1: Yes, we are December babies. Um, I'm okay with it. How are you? Um I'm okay with it. I'm realizing that it's cliché, but like it's just a number. I was not stoked at all to turn 30. Um I was pretty like low key about it. <laughs> um cuz although it is a number, it's like a milestone and I I don't know. I'm one of the things I'm realizing is that you never like this is silly, but you never like wake up and you're like, oh, I feel like an adult now. Like there's no age that you're like, oh, I'm I'm established and this is my thing. And like even my friends who are getting married and starting to have kids are like freaked out about it and kind of feel like they're just winging it
0: to an extent. Um, shout out Swoop. Yeah. Is that Andrew
1: Duncan? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. call him Swoop. Yeah. He's going to be having, having a, a, a child soon. Yeah.
0: I don't know if he listens, but shout out. <laughs> He'll listen if he knows he has a shout out.
1: Yes, and then he'll be disappointed that he was like you talked about me for ten seconds.
0: <laughs> yeah, but he's always looking swole, So, <laughs> um, so yeah, coughing season is getting cold. Um, uh, okay. Uh, what did you just say that I wanted to talk about? Um, relationships. Yeah, you know, I do want to talk about relationships, but that's a lot on this first episode so we'll get back into it i don't even know how we we just kept running with stuff um before we move on the mentoring that you do i think is awesome i want to know what the most frustrating part is and what the most rewarding part is if you can um good question i think the
1: the frustrating part is on two levels. Um, it's frustrating in like trying to kind of get a buy-in from these kids in terms of the academic sides of things who um, oftentimes come from backgrounds where, you know, academics are not emphasized or um, prized in any real sort of way, and they come from school backgrounds where, you know, they're not getting solid teaching a lot of times. Um, so there's just them like not really paying attention, being typical kids kind of. Um, and then there's the growing pains of of a fairly new nonprofit, any organization and like, um, you know, the people that are involved and all the different personalities and trying to like figure out logistics and how to grow as an organization. So I think, I think that's the frustration comes both from the day to day operations and then bigger picture, like trying to figure out where we're going and how to accomplish that. Um, but the rewarding parts are you know you do you do see these very concrete results um you know, where kids get better scores, kids get offers for for colleges, kids end up going to college um that really gets emphasized when we do our signing day event every February, and like the kids' families come um and that's when you know have like kids' moms come up to us who I've never met before, and like you know thank us for for helping them out and everything that we do with them and, and just like providing a safe space. Like they know where their kid is on, you know, these days, they don't have to worry about it. Um, and it's definitely, that's probably what like keeps me there is seeing that, um, that people actually appreciate it, that we are making a difference. Um, I'll joke about like, if I'm tutoring kids in private school, like if I wasn't doing it, somebody else would, like I might help them get into a slightly better college, but it's like they're going to college, um, whereas the reality of of the nonprofit is like a lot of these kids are not gonna end up going to college were it not for for us or an organization like us kind of helping them out,
0: helping them figure that out. So I imagine you don't always get the like feedback from a kid that's like aware of how much how how much you helped them because I think about myself, um and some of the coaches that I've had over the years. And I'm like, now realizing it a decade later, I'm like, wow, they were a really good coach. They were a really good mentor. And I know I didn't, you <laughs> couldn't thank them or set, put into articulate how much they helped you at that time. So I imagine the same is going to be true for you. It's such a delayed feedback cycle that, like, it's, you know, if you got that feedback daily and it was like,
1: Yeah, I'm sure you
0: know how to quantify in ways that is rewarding to yourself. But the real like big stuff and like to see how much somebody was impacted, I feel like has a long feedback cycle.
1: Yeah, you kind of have to, you know, rely on past results and be confident in what you're doing. Um, And I mean, we have kids who come back from college for for the summer and intern with us or, or back on breaks and they come help out with workouts and like they will kind of speak to our current students and talk about you know the importance of it and you know it's it's nice to see that and to to see these kids coming back and succeeding um so there you get a little bit of it but yeah day to day with with high school kids you're not going to get like oh thanks so much for you know making me study for the sat yeah
0: <laughs> and then you guys also do a, where you go to like Qdoba or chipotle and just do you guys just shut the store down you could roll in with like 30 football players
1: yeah, so <laughs> Cadobas are one of our how food much partners. do those employees hate that? They're pretty good about it. Yeah. Like it's, and they, they know you're coming. They'll text us beforehand. Yeah, and like find out like how many kids do you have because we will roll in with like 40, 45 kids on a Wednesday night at eight o'clock and just like there was one guy who was I'd saw him like every. Every week for a while. I just remember because he had these ridiculous, like light up headphones. Um and I was like, This guy has to stop learning to come here at eight o'clock. Yeah. Like you walk in yeah. and there's forty people in line. Yeah. Um, but no, they're great. They give us a ton of discounts. Um, they're they're good with the kids. Yeah, it's Dope. much appreciated. Yeah, I see that.
0: Cool. Um uh before I forget, we gotta get a picture of us doing at least one acro yoga pose so Hell I can yeah. post it. you got to like throw me up in the air or something.
1: So that's a funny, this is an aside, but the guy who like coaches a lot of these acro yoga classes, um, has this, his goal is to lift 10,000 people in the air, um, by 2021. Okay. And he's, it's not like a, like a, he's like 6,000 people into this. Um, but so he's constantly like trying to find new people and lift them in the air. Um, it's not that
0: hard of a sell. Kind yeah,
1: of. but you you hit saturation of like finding new people. Good. Well, if you've well, lifted well, five thousand people in Philly, like
0: <laughs> I'll post it, tag you, then you post it and tag him. Yeah, and it's like come out to um blah blah blah. PPT. Yeah, get
1: all the podcast listeners.
0: <laughs> um. Okay. And the sorry, last question on the the mentorship program is called what? Focused athletics. And and I'm
1: um, I'm wearing the hoodie right now.
0: And people um can can how do kids get involved or like how do you find kids or how do they find you?
1: Uh, so we have a number of schools that we work with. We have kids from seven or eight different uh, local high schools. Um, we've actually, we've had to kind of limit it recently just because we had more kids than yeah. we had space or, or mentors for. Yeah. Um, but we've, we've started, it's predominantly football players. So we'll, we'll talk to the coaches about like, who are the kids who you think would benefit most from the program um, and then we're kind of trying to streamline and refine that process right now. We kind of have our 2020 class and then we're, we'll graduate, I don't know, 25 kids who are seniors currently and we'll take on new juniors.
0: Dumb. Um, yeah. All right, cool. Cross I, know that, off I know that you made some notes, so let's take a moment to see if there's anything that you want to take up in a in a particular direction otherwise we're going to either go back to why people that are inherently good at things aren't great at teaching it or um election trump election the day of and like feelings difference from then till now (laughs) um we can do that there's i have a big old list of just like
1: possible things but that's all gonna get you know thorny and
0: anything that sticks out that you're like yo i've been wanting to talk about this i gotta get it off my chest um i mean there's a thing that you've said twice so far that i
1: want to take issue with yeah Um, oh okay that i've said on the podcast yes take
0: issue yes (laughs) (laughs) uh controversy and um not controversy um uh confrontation on the Steph Curdy show, you're hearing it here. Go ahead. <laughs> I
1: mean, yeah, this relates to a much larger issue that kind of we could do a whole show about. But um, you said, I think, to Mickey and Corvo that technology isn't good or bad. Like, it is what we make of it. Specifically, social media is not good or bad. It's just, you know, it's in people's hands to do with as they choose. Um, and I disagree. Um, Why? Which comes from, you know podcasts that I listen to and books that I've read, uh, because I think that there are specific, you know, financial incentives, um, and that we are steered in a certain direction with regard to social media. It's not just, oh yeah, there's good stuff and bad stuff and it's whatever we engage with. Um, so I guess to give examples, first of all, all social media, they're making money on, on ad revenue. That's that's their business model. So they want you time on site. They want you to spend as much time engaged with their platform as possible. So We are like, the product. Yeah, you can look at it. You can not look at it. But, like, no, they're using all these strategies from social psychology and gambling and, and reinforcement to to make people spend as much time on their platform as they can. Um, and I, a, an example that comes to mind is, like, literally every detail of if you go on Facebook— the the little red notification ping that you get Ugh. they've they've done studies on like what is the exact shade of red that is gonna you know <laughs> trigger a dopamine hit for people most reliably
0: and I assume um, the timeliness of delivering it yeah like yeah at so this it's time. Notific- it's
1: it's not based on like oh we think you'd be interested in this it's like oh we think we can get you to to come back and and open the page again. Um, so yeah, they're trying to make you spend as much time on it as possible, but the content is also not neutral. Um, the kind of defense that Facebook has had of like, we're not a publisher. We're just, we're not curating what's on this. We're just kind of anyone can post. Um, is kind of a ridiculous stance because there are, you know, if you're connected to a thousand people, there's you know, millions of things that they could post on your feed at any moment, and their algorithm is pulling, you know, the top hundred things that they want to show you. So it's, it's very curated in that way. Um, and then how are they curating it? They want you to spend as much time as possible. So the things that reliably get us to come back and engage are things that upset us or outrage us or make us want to argue um, as opposed to things that are, you know, enriching or uplifting you're much less likely to comment on like, I learned something from this video as opposed to like, no, I disagree with you. I think you're stupid. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think that we have this default algorithm that kind of targets things that will, that will outrage you, even though nobody would, would pick a setting that says like, show me stuff that'll piss me off. Um, that's what it's ended up doing. Um, so I think in that sense, it's very much not, not a neutral force.
0: So, uh, you went to college at USC and I you did. studied psychology. Okay. So, so you have a, a little deeper of an understanding of, let's just say you were interested in those topics. And so like the idea of the color shade red and how that influences people. If, if a company is incentivized and they're going to go on to the minutia of detail, as a simple color to help influence, like imagine all of the other things we're not even thinking about for, for how a billion dollar, billion hundreds of billions of dollars company.
1: <laughs> yeah, and um, I mean you have a very close knit with data small scientists. Group of, yeah, you have you have you know twenty people who are determining what you know a billion plus people see day to day and what information they're they're seeing. I mean, that's a, a crazy responsibility, um, that is that we don't really think about. Like there are these people who have a very real role in, in shaping how
0: we see things. Okay. So let's break into a couple of these things. I think fundamentally the important argument of Facebook, um, calling itself a publisher or not gets back to like do we want to have to decide what is good speech and what is bad speech or what is helpful speech and what is not helpful and that's gonna get into freedom of speech arguments is it not? Um, why would you want some company with such uh, uh, you know such power to be the decider of what is? Should be said and what shouldn't be said.
1: I wouldn't necessarily, but they're they're already having to make that decision, right? It's like it's like the self driving car thing of like if you don't program for this eventuality, like you're by default making that decision if you don't give it a preferential um, way to go. But um, I think there's a difference between free speech and just lies and, and defamation and whatever. And I think there's a lot of just straight up false information out there that, um, that now you have these, um, huge content sites and social media, you know, publishing as though they have no, I guess, editorial responsibility there.
0: Okay. So, okay. So if there are, is the truth on a spectrum or is it just binary? Because, I think it's, I think when we get into tough, complex ideas, we need to reason across a spectrum because there are different perspectives on how things should play out. So I, my point is like, you if you're gonna ask Facebook to say, this is true information or this is false information, we're going to get to gray areas, and then it's not easy to d- to say this is true or false.
1: But I, th- I think that you're saying some things are not black and white, so we shouldn't differentiate between black and white, right? Like, there are some things that are, you know, yeah, that are straight up true. Good point. Two plus two equals four. Um, that's not the same as... As having an opinion on on an issue that that there's a lot of different minutiae and points of view, um, and I don't think that's necessarily what I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking more about politicians can advertise and and just like make stuff up, right? And there's no there's no check on um, on whether what they're saying is true. Like literally, Facebook also allows you to target people in a very specific way, so you know as a politician i could say i want to show this ad to you know men aged 22 to 27 in philadelphia who are single and who have mentioned donating to nonprofits and i mean you can get more granular and and specific than that even um and you can give them one message and i'm literally thinking about like you could advertise to a group of people hey i'm running for office and i support You know, a woman's right to choose and then you could target a different group and run a parallel ad that says like I support the sanctity of of human Mm. life and I'm against like you can just lie and say both things and run those ads to different groups of people and there's no check on that. And like that's crazy.
0: Okay. Fair point. What are the benefits of Facebook in your opinion or what are the benefits of social media?
1: Um, I think there are several, and to be clear, I'm not saying that like social media is bad. I'm saying that we hear you. We have not um, made any attempt to like legislate or regulate the people who run these companies and what they're allowed to do. Um, I think social media is a great way to, you know, connect people to allow you to see what people are up to, to learn about events and um, people who have similar interests to you. Um, to get some news, if it's, you know, as long as you are somewhat of a savvy consumer of that, and you're not just going to believe everything that you read. Um, I think that there is in not just social media, but the internet in general, there's like a general global interconnectedness in terms of the ability to share information quickly, um, and be more aware of what's going on around you that, um, that's definitely been helpful and useful.
0: So how do we teach people not to believe everything they read? Because it feels like that's, in my opinion, more of the solution than making Facebook accountable to... I do think there's some level of accountability that Facebook needs to do, but I would much rather put the control back into... put the responsibility on... uh, it seems out of my control to regulate Facebook, and it seems more in my control to for me to decide wh- what should I believe and what shouldn't I believe and how to be skeptical.
1: So I, I think right now there is people who are somewhat intelligent and are willing to take the time can mostly differentiate between fake news, quote-unquote, and and things that are legitimate.
0: I having a but har- it's I getting a hard, harder. I have a hard time, especially because there's so much that I only have limited brain space to put processing time into figuring out, like, if I should even spend time on this thing or not. So then I kind of just tune out.
1: And the technology to um, make more persuasive, you know, fake arguments are or fake news is only is only growing. Um
0: well, I'm going to have that ability soon. Oh, well, yeah? I mean I have the ability, but like I mean I could probably I don't want to go there, but like mm-hmm. I think I'm going to have the ability to put Donald Trump's face over over mine and use his voice and say whatever I want.
1: I heard an interesting <laughs> thing recently about like the number of of absolute truths are finite whereas the number of potential lies are infinite. Mm. Right. So there's like a certain amount of things that are, that are true. Um, But you can come up with as many possibilities as you want that are made up that are to, to counter that. Um, But yeah, I think the whole using voices and and faces and like deep fakes um, is real scary because like right now it's in that weird uncanny Valley. Like this is kind of funny, but like that's, the last step or one of the last steps before like you can produce a video with audio of any person saying anything and like right now it's like oh we don't know what news to trust necessarily or what stories it's like if you can see a video of someone speaking and it looks legitimate and it's just completely fabricated like that's that's scary and i don't know what we're supposed to do about
0: that yeah i I think I got misled once where Amazon had a blimp sending out little drones and it was flying over China and it was like delivering packages. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And it was, it's not real, right? I I found out several days later and was like, (laughs) this was Photoshopped and looks completely real. And then I had to like retweet my tweet and be like, Hey guys, I apologize this was I found out this is not real
1: yeah i mean and that and that's here where you have this you do have freedom of of speech and information um the potential for you know for those tools to be used by quote unquote bad actors or um in companies w- or in countries where they don't have those freedoms, you know, and they want to just be persuasive in their propaganda yeah um you know, you convince whole swaths of people of of various. Quote unquote truths.
0: So you took. You, so the things that you heard me say. On t- on previous podcasts. That was like. This technology is not good or bad. That has some truth to it. No. Um, I think saying
1: that. I think it's not neutral. I think there are both good and bad things. About lots of technologies. But saying like it's just this neutral tool and it is what people make of it um misses the point that that we as consumers are being guided and manipulated in very specific directions
0: what is what is your loss if you decide to delete facebook um i actually thought about it recently uh
1: There, I mean, first of all, just like it's not huge. I find out about a lot of like events that I want to go to, and like have a lot of different people who I'm in contact with. But that's Facebook Messenger to an extent, so um, I could still use that. But yeah, it's it's probably not huge, but there is, you know, it's something that you like want to look at, and it's not necessarily a good habit.
0: Um, but you're up, you believe that you, you trust yourself, that you have the ability to at least admit, I don't know if this is true or false. And so I'm going to default into it being false until I know it's true. Do you feel like you have you that's generally accurate for yourself and you're afraid that that's not true for the masses?
1: Yeah, I mean, I see people who I know all the time, like, posting stuff, just, like, reposting articles so quickly that, like, I'll read it and be like, I feel like that's not true. And then I'll go Google it and be like, hey, like, the internet says this isn't a real thing. Um, but, yeah, so I am I feel like I'm somewhat circumspect about that. Like, I'm not going to go post something that is like, oh, this sounds great, without, like, double-checking that it's actually legitimate. Yeah. Um, if only out of vanity and not wanting to look stupid. But... Um, I think people share things without, without any real, you know, compunction about like, is this true? They don't feel like the need to vet it. They're just like, I'm going to put this out there.
0: Right. I don't want to go too much further into that hole, but I'm going to think about your point. The reason why I keep saying that though, is, is that, (sighs) I feel like I'm not losing that much if I delete Facebook. And so because I'm not losing that much, it if it totally confuses me and is a bad use of my time, I do have the decision to just remove it. And in that way, like now it's in my control. And I can't say the same thing for everybody else, but at least if it's true for me, it can be true for somebody else. And in that way, that's why I'm trying to say, like...
1: So I would say there isn't, like, a... It's an
0: opportunity. It's not anything besides that.
1: There's no functional alternative to it. You may say that you don't need the services that it provides that desperately. Um, I think the fact that there's not really viable alternatives is, is a problem. To what Facebook does?
0: Yeah, Facebook stinks. But I like it because I get to get a general pulse of, like, where everybody else that I grew up with <laughs> is like outraged at. And it tells me something about the world.
1: So what are you gonna use? What is your alternative service to if you want to find out specific details about the lives of the life of somebody who you went to high school with? Um, or if you want to look up everybody in your high school class. I mean I wonder where come that on. person lives. You How are you not, gonna find you that not, out?
0: No, that doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, but it's but it's still a service they provide and like there's not a functional alternative where it's where everyone provides all this information. Let's not even talk about
0: data privacy. I wanted to know more about somebody specifically from my past. I feel like there are enough platforms that they exist on or enough connections to people that are on Facebook to get me be like, Hey, I want to talk to this person. Can you connect us? Instead of me having to have Facebook.
1: I'm not saying you have to have it. I'm saying it's vastly more convenient and provides a unique services that sure that no other one platform provides to you. And I also don't think that the fact that you can choose to use something or not use something does not make that thing neutral. Right? Like I can, I can choose to use, I I can
0: What does neutral mean?
1: Um, not it's good or good bad. Or,
0: okay, so that's what I mean.
1: Okay, but and but your argument for that is I could I could choose to delete it, so it's not like it doesn't have this control over me. But like that, okay, logical extension. We're gonna play that
0: game. Um, this is always a bad game to play with Nate because he always wins. In I could logical I could extensions.
1: choose to do heroin or <laughs> not do heroin. So heroin is neither good nor bad. It is neutral.
0: Sam, where are you? I need help. <laughs>
1: Um I don't know. It's obviously an extreme example, but I, I don't think that yeah, the fact that's true of any of anything. You could do it or not do it. Um But anyway, before we stray too far afield. Okay.
0: <laughs> Let's leave that for now. Hopefully that kicked up some dust and I get some feedback across the podcast for other people that listen to it like Nate. And you know, if you have an opinion about it or are offended by anything that we say, like that's kind of the point of this kind of the point is to like provoke a little bit and have conversations because people know you and people know me and the people listening to it have way more context than some stranger. Yeah. And it helps to hear people that, you know, like ask some of these questions. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I think at the end of the day, I'm happy with this being the, way to provide context some people may now look at facebook differently because of the things that you said or that i said and could probably have learned maybe i need to be a little more skeptical about this person being posting this thing that's getting me outraged there's a chance that helps right maybe maybe (laughs) just maybe okay um uh, i mentioned it twice i just wanted to talk briefly um about the election presidential election and um you and I were roommates at the time and I think we stayed up until two AM just to see the results. It was like one thirty, I think, potentially. And I was like, oh, dude, I have to see this. I have to see it for myself. And um one thing that you've said that I that has stuck with me since how long ago was that? Three years. Okay. Yeah. Was um it's some sort of psychological, like, way to deal with a traumatic event, and you, and if you're not, oh, I wasn't okay with the results, but I'm like rationalizing now why it is okay. Did you have a name for that? Do you I'm know what I'm talking sure about? Not
1: sure what you're saying.
0: <laughs> it's like, um, uh, oh, to like normal to. It's not. It's not that kidnapper syndrome where like you fall in love with somebody that kidnapped you, like Stockholm syndrome. Definitely not that. But it's. I thought you had put a word or name to um, justifying something that we all were upset with, and over time you just kind of like let it pass. Oh, I Does think anything.
1: Just, I guess, like normalizing something, like if anything, um,
0: I thought you had a name for it
1: that it's that just that we like revert to the mean or we get complacent or that we can get used to any situation no matter how bad and it just becomes the new norm. Yeah. So like when it happened, when he got elected, it was so right. Outrageous. And I like, nobody thought it was going to happen. And then it was like, I can't believe this guy, like, this is absurd But then it's like, you know, years later, it's like, yes, he's still doing ridiculous things and we're still outraged by it, but it's become the status quo. It's just like, there are all these behaviors that are, you know, that everyone was like, no, a president could never act like this, could never just go on TV and straight up lie all the time or, or make fun of reporters or, or people with disabilities. And then, you know, he does that, we cross that bridge, you get used to it. And then, you know, by the fifth time he does it, you're, your brain can't sustain being like so outraged or surprised by that every time. So it just kind of like
0: becomes the new norm. Yeah. yeah. So it's been three years. I definitely, like when you said that it kind of just stuck with me and I was like, okay, I'm going to keep track of like mentally, like where, where has my outrage gone or like, where has my disgust gone? And it's certainly normalized some, Um, and I just want to talk about that process of normalization or that kind of not really get into Trump, but get into that idea.
1: And there's, I think there's an interesting thing that happens. where you currently stand. I think there's an interesting thing that happens psychologically, um, wherein you're going to be more outraged by somebody doing something egregious once than if they do it 10 times. It's like this weird psychological dissonance that we have that like if you did it once, it's like, oh, that's that's disgusting. I can't believe you could get away with this. But if you do it every day, it's like you just can't sustain that level of, you know, shock or disgust or whatever. Um, So name
0: name calling people and like out doing outrageous things is just and potentially, you know, like sending people. I feel like one thing that Trump does is he'll send people. on a topic down this hole and make you waste time there and distract while something else is completely happening and that's his lever of control and that's something that's been figured out as a manipulative tool to be like I don't know if he either just knows that he's doing it outright or has just done it so long that it's innate but he's he's pretty good at it.
1: Yeah. It's for me, it's always somewhat unclear whether he knows what he's doing to a certain extent or is just absolutely, you know, crazy and off the wall. Um, cause there are things that, that definitely have a certain effect and it. And it could be an effect that he desired in terms of distracting people or, um, firing people up or whatever. um, But it's like, is this, is this evil genius or just idiot? Like it's, it's hard to tell sometimes.
0: Now, now that that's set, I want to, I want to ask you about this. It's maybe I have been so dependent upon news from particular people in my life and news from particular outlets that, What Donald Trump has done has outraged those things that I've considered truth, like CNN, like my dad. He's riled them up. The New York Times. I've considered these things arbiters of truth. Mm -hmm. And it's really flipped them upside down in terms of like, how they handle him. And maybe those news outlets, my dad, New York times, CNN, I like
1: how you're presenting all three of these as equally large and reputable news outlets.
0: Yeah, they have <laughs> been in my life as like my brother as like, maybe you guys were seeing it wrong. Maybe the news media was the actual fake do you get my point? Um, I could keep trying to ramble, but if you get my point, it would help. <laughs>
1: you, <laughs> um, you think that he's making you question things that, you know, you... So I think it's good to question things that you have, you know, traditionally been like, I just trust this implicitly. Um, but I also... I don't know that... Like, what do you think they're wrong? Is it just that their behavior has changed because they're responding to a, an adversary now, as opposed to like somebody they're covering, um, that they're more like attacked. Cause I see that yes. in, in certain news sources that like, rather than, you know, we cover, but like, what are they supposed to do when he goes on television and he's like, this is fake news. These people are lying, blah, blah, blah. Like, and he's lying. Like, how do you handle that as a, as a news organization? I mean, he restricts access to certain like it's just crazy. I think that people have been forced to like look at things differently and and cover things differently just because he does things that nobody was ever like, yeah, president might do that.
0: I think I think what it has been for me is when people feel attacked, it's like a response of fear and and that fear kind of isn't reveals like a underlying like insecurity and and and, okay so what are you insecure about why does this person offend you and attack you and make you lash out what are they doing what is the truth here and because i don't hear a ton of what are the positive things trump has done in balance with the negative it makes me skeptical that you're just being blinded by your own insecurity. And I'm only citing specific examples from people in my personal life, because the same was true for me. I was like, screw this guy. I'm not going to believe anything he says because one, I really don't trust his character. I really don't. But, I'm sure there are some positive things and I'm more willing to look for those positive things than what it seems like I'm being delivered from all other sources. And so now I'm questioning, well, what is your insecurity that you're not even willing to give us some positive thoughts? Um, and that's where I was asking about like normalizing stuff. Am I just normalizing?
1: I guess, it? yeah, I guess when there's... I think that the negatives outweigh the, the positives by a long shot. And when you know, a broken clock is right twice a day, but you're not going to sit there and go, "Hey, it's it says four thirty, and it's actually four thirty right now." You're going to be like, "Let's fix this fucking clock." Um, and I think that, yes, his actions may have some positive effects. Um, but that they come from a negative place. So rather than like, oh, yeah, you know, some obscure like trade policy was made better. um, the, The negatives are these more endemic, large picture issues of like just frequent untruthfulness, making things up manipulating democracy to an extent um you know trying to gain illegal advantages over his potential political adversaries like doing all this stuff that's just like straight up not allowed um continuing to like try and have his businesses profit from his office like those are such affronts to morality and democracy and things that are that we like to at least think that our country is kind of based on and founded on that to to distract from it by being like, Oh yeah, here's this good thing that that he might have done is kind of to miss the point. Um I really like John Mullaney's extended metaphor of of the horse in the hospital. That's like my favorite Trump related any type of stand up.
0: Tell, tell me about it. Um, Wait so he's a comic For some reason Yeah
1: John Mulaney is a great stand up comic He's behind probably lots of shows that you've seen Um, And he relates it to There being a horse in a hospital In terms of like I'm going to butcher this But like we just have no idea what to do It's this totally new situation And we don't know how he got there And um, they'll bring in people who like Think they know what he's going to do It's like this guy saw a bird in a train station once But like no that's totally different Um, And that sometimes he does things that are unexpected. And you're just like, I didn't even know he knew how to do that. Like, it's not bad or good. It's the horse used the elevator today. (laughs) It's like, wow, how do you, how do you figure that out? Um, then you're like, Oh, this might, this might turn out. Okay. Maybe he's, you know, doing, doing something good. And he's like, I'm going to go smash the incubators with my hooves. (laughs) Like whenever you feel like it might be okay, he just, there's something outrageous that goes on. Um, I'd highly recommend checking that out, but, um,
0: Okay. I, I dig that. I I um we're we're on fifty five minutes. I want to wrap Damn. it up at least in the next ten. I know time flies, right? Yeah. Um. <clears throat> I will at least want to wrap it up and end on a different note. But um, I read uh in a in the same vein how I'm trying to understand kind of what Trump is. Is there was an op ed article in New York Times that I did like, and it was like, you should think of him as a TV character running a TV show because his history is basically how to react when the red light is on you and how to get an advantage there.
1: Yeah. Except he's running the world. So to pretend it's a TV show is like, (laughs) but that's
0: I think a little more of how he thinks about it. To
1: understand his motivations. Yeah, that's fair.
0: Anything else you want to say there? Because I'm going to switch it back to no, one go for last it. topic. Um, earlier in the podcast, everybody that's still listening, thank you for being here. Still,
1: we appreciate you.
0: You said something about people that are inherently good at stuff probably aren't the best at explaining things that they're things that they are good at. What is something that you think you're? not inherently good at, but have learned to do well? Um, Listening. Mm.
1: (laughs) I think I'm not the best at like sitting back and and listening and and calmly listening to people who have different opinions from me. Um, But I, I think I'm definitely learning to be better about that because we Benefit from a diversity of ideas um, Or at least I can benefit personally from from understanding even if I think somebody's dead wrong understanding like why they believe something um, Helps to solidify my viewpoint or question my viewpoint um, Or understand how you know a given sector of people are feeling and, and that can only help to I think come up with with solutions so be a little bit less confrontational and like at least hear people out before I tell them why they're wrong.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like that. What are some of the sources or resources that help you, um, figure that out like podcasts or articles or people? Um, probably people. I, I think
1: I, um, you know, pay attention to the behavior of, of people around me who, who I admire or who I don't like. Um, and just kind of learn from from how they act. Not in terms of like use them as as a model, but just like, you know, it's like reading different sources and picking out the things you like and forming your own opinion. I guess.
0: Is there anything else that you want to touch on um, before I signal to what nec- a next episode could be about? Um...
1: Not, nothing that won't like get into a <laughs> lengthy conversation probably We well, can throw out things to talk about I would Yeah say, next time I
0: would, I would say throw one thing out And we have to be brief about it And then we'll set up like A volatile potential conversation on the next one um, Zucked, astrology um,
1: Astrology not as a thing that I like by the way, <laughs> yeah. just for the record, for any of you who don't follow me on social media.
0: <laughs> I love I love Nate's opinions about astrology because I see it more and more from a lot of people and I I'm I'm like I'm interested enough to get I think we're both interested enough to get to the bottom of like why are these things important to you and why are so many people Taking them so seriously, because this this there are a lot of people that take.
1: I can do that in a minute. Actually, I see it as as emblematic of a much larger problem and related to the so whole. So it's all fake, a problem. Fake news. It's, it's all, all a problem.
0: It's not good at all. So
1: it's, I single out astrology because of the relative ubiquity. Um, I see it everywhere. Is
0: it not good at all?
1: Nah. <laughs> it, if, if you see it purely as like this is a hobby that I don't take seriously and I just find it amusing. Like, yeah, sure, whatever, do what you want. Um, but I think that the very real larger issue is people being willing to hold beliefs that are not based on anything concrete or provable. Like I'm big on kind of scientific method. Like if you believe something, there should be, you should be able to back it up. There should be reasons behind it. And I think that with all this, you know, fake news and climate change denying and whatever, there's there's this growing sentiment of, no, my opinion doesn't have to be based on something. It can just—it's how, it's how I feel, and that's equally valid. Um, and astrology, as far as I know, is not—and then informs people's decisions. So you have this belief, whatever. I don't care what you believe, but if you're making decision-making, well, I should really be with someone who's a Pisces because the stars are in this shape and that star is in this—like— do it doesn't you, matter. Do
0: you, do you think that they don't at some level? I, I think people use it as as a I think people use it to help them, but I don't think somebody would die on the sword of being like this is provable and.
1: Well, uh, so I have the same qualm with a belief in God right so that's that's something that people definitely will die on the sword for okay and I see that as a i mean i'm not I'm not saying there it's absolutely no God. my opinion is like none of us know, so to claim that you know what what this all powerful creator is that they exist and that they want you to believe x, y, and z, and behave in this way is like is an insane thing to claim, and people definitely you know go to the mat for that belief
0: i i um I'm probably gonna try to defend the defend aspects of what we're talking about, but I can't start getting into it without yeah. us opening up like another hours worth of stuff <laughs> for sure. And I want to leave enough people triggered so that they'll come back for another episode. I think
1: we should talk about all kinds of um, non traditional ways of of thinking about. You know, common, how unprofessional
0: (laughs) I'm going off twice,
1: common societal institutions and beliefs. So I'm starting to question a lot of, you know, um, you were talking about dating and I'm starting to know people who are somewhat involved in the polyamory community. Oh, I'm in. Um, so yeah, there's all kinds of directions we can go with this.
0: Cool. Um, yeah. Well, Nate, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for bringing some very, uh, in depth, well thought out opinions, some, a little bit of pushback. It's always helpful. I mean, people need pushback to, to grow. So I appreciate you coming on and sharing. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. All right. He's going to be back, um, in a future episode, probably in a week or two. I would like to do this more often. So, um, guys tune in next time and have a happy Thanksgiving. Peace.